0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. All right, welcome back for episode twenty-four of the Destination Devi podcast. I am the captain of this here Devi Dynasty vessel, Ray Garvin. You know where to find me on Twitter at Ray G Q. That's Q U E. And make sure you're following the show at Destination Devi. You can just type in the at symbol DDP and it will pop up. The DDP is a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. You can listen to this show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean. Anywhere you can play podcasts at, the DDP is there. You can also check the show out on DynastyLeagueFootball.com as well as my written content, There are a ton of other great Dynasty-related podcasts there. Whatever your flavor is, DLF has you covered. So head on over to the website and check it all out today. Now, before we dive into prospects and players and stock up, stock down, I want to talk about buying and selling in Debbie slash Dynasty. I've gotten a couple of questions lately um, from individuals who are thinking about selling off some of their proven NFL talent, whether that be for uh, 2020 picks, 2021 picks, or for devi assets. And I've got a philosophy on that. And one of the trades that really stick out in my mind, and I can't think of the individual's name where I'd give him credit on the show, but it was basically he offered his Stefan Diggs for Alabama wide receiver Henry Ruggs. Now, I love me some Henry Ruggs, but... In this situation, what I told him was, you should be thankful that that owner did not accept the deal for Stephon Diggs, because I'm not trading young, proven NFL talent for an unproven guy who is still in college, who's yet to be drafted by an NFL team, who we have no clue how that transition is going to play out, regardless of all the hype and you know ceiling level comps that we bestow upon players like Henry Rucks. You don't do a deal like that one-for-one, one. and really there are very few people I would make a one-for-one one dynasty Devi trade for, and Diggs for Henry Ruggs is not one of them. Do I think Henry Ruggs could potentially be better than Stefan Diggs when it's all said and done? Sure, but we are so far away from even seeing that happen for that even being a realistic possibility and we see what Stefan Diggs can do in the NFL right now. He had a three-touchdown day uh, a game today. And that is what Stefan Diggs can do, whether that's going to be with the Minnesota Vikings or if he moves on to another team via trade or whatever the case may be here in the near future, you don't make a deal for that. Now, there are instances where you may have a line where you say, you know what, this deal for an aging veteran. Let's just say you're on a complete rebuild and you've got Larry Fitzgerald sitting on your bench and somebody offers you a Debbie prospect for Larry Fitzgerald. Well, in that situation, yeah, there's a line. I Depending on who that prospect is, I would take the shot on the young Debbie guy. We all know that Larry, as great as he's been, he's got less time in the game than he has more. So a move like that, absolutely. But there's no way, whether it's Stefan Diggs, whether it's James Conner, you know, even even a Derrick Henry who is a very polarizing player in the NFL, I'm not trading him for let's just say Eno Benjamin. Would I move Derrick Henry for Eno Benjamin one one for one right now? Absolutely not. Because the guy who is in the NFL, who's receiving 20 carries a game, that's the person who's scoring points for my fantasy team, although he didn't do it today. I'm not going to do a deal like that. So just kind of keep that in mind when you're being offered in Debbie leagues, uh, proven NFL talent for unproven college assets who have yet to even be picked by an NFL team. Now, if you're in a dynasty league and you don't play, you know, you don't have Debbie guys on your roster, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of trades have been coming through my inbox. You know, Do I move this player for a high 2020 pick or a high 2021 pick? Here's the thing. It always boils boils down to: Are you a contender or are you in rebuild mode? And there's nothing wrong with being in rebuild build mode. Some of my funnest leagues, some of my most fun teams to manage, are those where I'm just completely blowing it up and starting over. And there comes a point in time where that ha- where that happens. And in the NFL season, week six, we're approaching that point in time where you know you know, this team is is not long for this season or next season, so I've got to make some moves to to better my, my roster. And what I say to that is, think about who you're trading that proven NFL talent to. If it's somebody who they feel that they are a contender, you may want to hold off just a little bit longer. And once they get, you know, a little more desperate for said asset in order to make that playoff push towards that championship, you may be able to squeeze them for a little bit more, than you can right now. So again, contender or pretender, it all comes down to your team construct and where you fall within your team standings. When I'm thinking about selling those NFL talent players for dynasty draft picks. All right, now for some rapid-fire Week 7 recaps. University of Georgia lost to South Carolina. Number three team in the nation goes down. Jake Fromm looked like Jake Fromm to me. One touchdown, three interceptions. DeAndre Swift was okay. But overall, Georgia didn't deserve to win this game. South Carolina played a heck of a game. Ryan Helensky gutted out injury through that one. Brian Edwards looked fantastic. Kudos to the Gamecocks for pulling that one off. LSU beat Florida. Joe Burrow led uh, LSU in their homecoming game, and they took down the Gators. Uh, Kyle Trask looked all right for Florida. I thought he actually, you know, played quite well. They just didn't have enough uh, on defense to slow down that LSU passing attack, and their running game looked really good in this one as well. Red River Showdown, Oklahoma versus Texas. OU took it to UT. Sam Ellinger, negative rushing yards in this one. I did not think I would, I didn't see that coming at all. Keontae Ingram, ineffective. Devon DuVernay, wasn't he, he wasn't himself. OU was just a better team. CeeDee Lamb was a monster. Jalen Hurts played well. Kennedy Brooks, over 100 rushing yards. Kenneth Murray on the defense. Fantastic job by Lincoln, Riley, and the Sooners. Wisconsin stays hot. Jonathan Taylor actually looked human in this one. 26 carries for 80 yards. Still had two touchdowns. He's got 15 grabs on the year. 15 receptions. Fantastic by Jonathan Taylor. But Wisconsin took it to Michigan State, staying undefeated. Notre Dame beat USC. It was a really good game out there. Uh, late Saturday night, Cole Komet. Man, that tight end looks really, really good. And Keaton Slova started off slow, but picked it up. Amon Ross St. Brown looked like a stud. Trevor Lawrence at Clemson is still very, very good. I know he hasn't had the season that we all thought about, thought he would have 170 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception, but Clemson absolutely rolled Florida State. I thought it would be a little more competitive of a matchup, but it just did not happen. Blackman from Florida State is not a good quarterback. Cam Akers has nowhere to run. We're back to 2018 Florida State, so Clemson still undefeated. Another team that was really impressive with a young gun quarterback that I have high in my Debbie ranks is Jaden Daniels in ASU. Daniels, 363 yards and three touchdowns. He's 2022 eligible. Arizona State, quietly, quietly in that Pac-12, just making things happen. Running back standouts, CJ Verdell out of Oregon. He's 2021 eligible, 14 carries, 171 yards. He's a speedster. I don't think he can be an every down running back given his size. But that 2021 running back class, we're trying to figure out what it is. You know, there are a couple of couple of guys that we know about at the top with Zamir White and Max Borgie, but trying to really figure out, you know, how deep that 2021 running back class is. And C.J. Verdell is a very good player. Stevie Scott out of Indiana, he's also 2021 eligible. He had 12 carries for 164 yards for Indiana. Bigger back, it was good to see Stevie Scott get on the board and make some noise this week. Wide receivers that stood out this week. Colorado State's Warren Jackson, the six foot six monster, had nine grabs for two hundred and fourteen yards and two touchdowns. Warren is 2020 eligible. So just throw another wide receiver in that deep pool of, you know, incoming NFL talent, along with Sage Surratt. I really like me some Sage Surratt. 2020 eligible. He had 12 receptions, 196 yards and three touchdowns. Big bodied wide out. He's not a speedster, but he is very athletic. Physical, uh, very good catch radius, strong at the point of attack. I think he's somebody who, if he comes out in 2020, he's going to get drafted with decent draft capital. He's not going to be a first or second round pick, I don't believe at this point in time. But he's somebody who will get drafted, you know, third, fourth round draft capital and make some noise. But I think coming back for his redshirt junior season may be best for him. Brandon Iuke, Arizona State's wide receiver, he is not coming back because he's a senior 7 receptions, 196 yards and 3 touchdowns. Speed, speed, speed. If you have not seen Brandon Ayuk, write the name down right now. Pause the show, write the name down. A I Y U K. Brandon Ayuk. This kid is going to scream up draft boards and I think he's got a shot to go much much higher than he was even thought about, uh, than it was even thought about at the beginning of the season. He has just come on in his senior year, and he looks like a dynamic playmaker for the next level. I'm not saying he's going to be some elite NFL talent, pro Pro all-pro type player, but he's somebody that we all need to pay attention to. He's got really good size, and I'll talk about him a little bit later as a riser c d Lamb. <laughs> I mean c d Lamb. He he does what C D Lamb does when he's given opportunities. Ten receptions, 171 yards, and three TDs. And he just owned the University of Texas defense all day. There was nothing, and I mean nothing they could do to stop CD in this contest. I mean it was just What, you know, when he got the ball in his hands, it was whatever he felt like doing, whether that was, you know, running around you, running through defenders, going over defenders, running past defenders. He is showing why he deserves to be in the conversation for the wide receiver one spot in the 2020 class. Another pass catcher who looked good was Bryson Hopkins, the tight end out of Purdue with Rondell Moore down. I mean, this kid is stepping up and he's 2020 eligible. He had 10 receptions, 140 yards. In a tight end class where we really don't have a clear-cut top five, Bryson Hopkins is an athletic kid who has a fantastic playmaking ability, and he is a top three uh, 2020 eligible tight end for me right now. That's it for the Week 7 Rapid Fire Recap. Now let's talk Debbie Dynasty stock up, stock down, and in the stock up report... If I name a player and stock up and you have them on your Debbie roster, you need to value these players a little more closely, all right? You don't need to just throw them in as an ancillary piece in a trade deal. You need to hold on to them because they're starting to generate some hype, not just for me, but within NFL draft circles. And if you don't Debbie and you just play in a traditional dynasty league, these are names that you need to have on your radar of players who may not go particularly high in your rookie drafts, but they have supreme talent or they have shown a skill set that needs to be paid attention to and you may need to try to acquire later in your rookie drafts or possibly on the waiver wire. Now, the first guy I want to talk about in the stock up report, and I've talked about him multiple times on this show, but each and every week he does something to impress not only me, but people who are in the NFL draft community. And and that's what's important. It's not just that I like these players. It's that people in the NFL draft community, people who are making decisions on NFL franchises are talking about this kid. And that's LSU quarterback Joe Burrow. And this was the game for Joe Burrow versus a top 20 defense. What is he going to do? Lights are bright, big stage. Is he going to shred Florida or is he going to cave down and crumble? And Joe Burrow rose to the occasion, 293 passing yards, three TDs. He was hyper-efficient. I believe he was like 20 for 24 passing. It's He is just, and he's got this moxie, this charisma about him. If you watch this post-game interview, he was just, yeah, I, I knew we can do whatever. I knew their defense couldn't stop us. I was taking whatever I wanted to do. I mean, that's the sort of bravado that this kid has. And on the season, listen to me. Listen to an LSU quarterback is second in the country in passing yards, not, uh, you know, a Texas tech quarterback, not the Oklahoma quarterback, not the West Virginia quarterback. These teams who have historically thrown for ridiculous amounts of yards, but LSU play defense, run the ball. Historically, that's what they've been. Joe Burrow, 2,157 passing yards, 25 touchdowns and three INTs on the season He's 6 foot 4, 216 pounds, so he can definitely put on a little bit of weight, but he can make every throw. He's careful with the ball, he can move around in the pocket, he doesn't lock onto one receiver. He spreads the ball around. Joe Burrow is somebody that I truly believe is going to have first round draft capital when 2020 rolls around. And if that happens, those of you in superflex leagues, he is should be a first round dynasty pick he's going to be a top 12 pick in your dynasty rookie drafts if Joe Burrow has that first round draft capital he should be and I believe that if he were to have come out last year he would have challenged Kyler Murray for the quarterback one spot I would take him over Daniel Jones over Drew Locke over Dwayne Haskins I probably would have kept Kyler Murray at that one-on-one spot because he's that kunami code he gives you that ability with his legs and his arms but Joe Burrow is that talented of a thrower and he has I'm trying to think of a time where I've seen a senior elevate their stock more than Joe Burrow, and I just can't think of it. So stock up for Joe Burrow right now, I can almost guarantee you in a three, four round Debbie starter draft, he was not selected. He's going to be a first round pick in those depleted, and I'm using air quotes, depleted rookie drafts, Joe Burrow stock up. Brandon Ayuk, the wide receiver at Arizona State. I talked about him in the Rapid Fire recap, but 6 foot 1, 205 pounds, He's a senior, 2020 eligible. On the season, get this, 31 catches, 651 yards and 5 TDs. He's a sub 44 type guy. Big, you know, good size, 6'1, 205 and you can run a 40 at a low 44, high to mid 43. And you've got the production, you know, 651 yards on only 31 receptions, speed to burn. Brandon Ayuk stock up for that young man. Cole Komet, the tight end out of Notre Dame, 6'5", 250 pounds, he's 2020 eligible. For me, at this point in time, I've got him and Bryson Hopkins right there with Albert O in that top three for 2020 eligible tight ends. And I like Grant Calcaterra, but he, I don't even know if he's got a pass this season. I don't know what's going on with Calcaterra at OU. Cole Komet just looks the part. He looks like an NFL tight end. And the crazy thing is he's a top, uh, baseball draft prospect as well, so he's not even fully committed to football, and I can only imagine how good he could be if he were to say, I'm focusing on this full-time, but he's somebody that uh, I would like to acquire in dynasty rookie drafts next year. You know, the tight end position is always so fragile. If I can get a big-bodied athletic tight end like Cole Komet, who comes from a program who's got a good pedigree of producing, solid tight end, sign me up for that. He had six grabs for 61 yards and one TD versus USC. Twenty-one catches 265 yards and three touchdowns on the season Brian Edwards stock up wide receiver out of South Carolina another senior player had an early breakout age broke out at 17 years old which is ridiculous he had six grabs for 78 yards and one TD versus Georgia on the season 33 receptions 426 yards and four TDs he's another one of those 2020 wide receivers who has just sort of fallen under the radar you know earlier in the this summer he was a locked and loaded first round mock draft pick, you know, for 2020 eligible prospects. And he's sort of, you know, he's lost that shine to some of the other guys in the 2020 class, but Edwards is not to be slept on. He's going to be a fantastic pro as well as Alabama running back Najee Harris, 2020 eligible on the season, 74 carries 451 yards and one TD. So not a lot to just go, oh my gosh, he's blowing it up on the ground but he's really doing it through the air. 12 receptions, 123 yards, and 4 TDs. Harris is a really good running back, and when you watch him play on Saturdays, he looks like an NFL running back. His size, 6'2", 6'3", 230 pounds. He's got that short area agility to be so big, to move as smooth and fluidly as he does Najee Harris is creeping up. I mean, right now, if I had to say where is he amongst 2020 eligible prospects, I'd probably say he's right behind J.K. Dobbins. So that higher tier two, and he and Dobbins both are just continuing to move up. Jamar Chase is somebody who's moving the hell up too. I mean, he's not eligible until 2021, but six foot one, 200 pounds on the season, 30 receptions, 578 yards, 8 TDs. Last week versus Florida, C.J. Henderson and that top-ranked Florida defense, seven grabs, 127 yards, and two TDs. We talk about Justin Ross and Rondell Moore and in Rod St. Brown. J- Jamar Chase's name is in there as well. When you're talking about 2021 eligible wide receivers, Chase is in that group, in that class. As loaded as the 2020 wide receiver eligible class is, 2021 is ridiculous as well. And Sage Sherrod, if he doesn't come out in 2020, he's too is going to add to that 2021 class pool. On the season, he's got 46 grabs, 711 yards and nine TDs. Another big body wide receiver, 6'3", 215 pounds. He's not the blazer that a player like Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, but he's powerful. He's a physical wide receiver. He always gets open. He makes those 50-50 grabs. He can create separation with his size. I'm a big fan of Sage Surratt. So for me, those are just a couple of guys in week seven whose Dynasty and Debbie stock is on the rise. Now let's talk about those who are falling. Debbie Dynasty stock on the decline. And I have to start with the signal call out of Georgia, Jake Fromm. Now, it seems like Jake Fromm is another one of those polarizing prospects. You've got some who absolutely love him and those who absolutely hate him. I fall somewhere in between. I don't love nor hate him. I believe that he is going to be a solid NFL quarterback. You know, he's got the potential to be a solid NFL quarterback. I just don't think for fantasy purposes, he has what it takes to make an impact. Now, of course, injuries play a huge part. Would I rather start Jake Fromm or Devlin Hodges? Probably Jake Fromm. But when I'm talking about investing high draft capital in a quarterback, especially those of you who play in Superflex leagues... I want no part of Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm threw for 900... 200, you wish he threw for 900 yards in a game. 295 yards, one TD and three interceptions versus South Carolina. On the season, 1,371 yards, nine TDs and three picks. He's just... <sighs> He's a game manager, and there's nothing wrong with that. You can win with game managers. I'd rather have someone manage the game than lose me the game. But this is fantasy. I want points. We want people who are going to score. He gives you nothing on the ground with his legs. He's not going to push the football down the field to to get those splash plays. He's going to be safe. He's going to take care of it. He's going to manage the game. And even in a losing effort where Georgia needed him to throw the ball, he still failed to throw for over 300 yards. And he's only done it twice in his collegiate career. He's, he's played as a true freshman, so he's got his freshman season, his sophomore season, half of his junior year. And we've got two 300-yard games. And I know a lot of people will say, well, they don't ask him to do it. Georgia runs the ball. Well, they throw the ball as well. And he just, for me, I, will, I, I think you can find better options for your fantasy roster than Jake Fromm. I think he can be a fine NFL quarterback, and there's nothing wrong with it. But for Debbie Dynasty purposes, stock down for Jake Fromm. Aaron Fuller, the wide receiver out of Washington, who I've seen some say he's a top five wide receiver in the 2020 class. His season stats don't look bad. 40 receptions, 558 yards, and five TDs. This last game, he had four receptions, 60 yards, and one touchdown. But I'm telling you, I've watched Aaron Fuller play. His hands are wildly inconsistent. He consistently drops the ball, and it's just a problem. And it's not one game. It's not two games. It's every game. He's got horrendous drops, and that's a problem. You've got to be able to catch the ball. You play wide receiver, I need you to catch the ball. So for those of you who have Aaron Fuller very high, I hope we play in the same dynasty leagues together because I will gladly allow you to draft him over some of these other studs in the 2020 class. Another stock down, I got to go with Penn State. Two guys from Penn State who a lot of people who had very high entering into this college football season and ranked high in Devi. And that's running back Ricky Slade Jr. and wide receiver Justin Shorter. Neither of these guys are the best at their positions on their on their respective teams. Ricky Slade is not the best running back. Noah Kane is better than Ricky Slade. and Justin Shorter, to be a top 10 rated recruit overall, whether it's injury, whether it's scheme, he's just not performing. On the season, Ricky Slade has 28 carries for 59 yards and two, D, two TDs. Justin Shorter, eight receptions, 100 yards, no touchdowns. KJ Hamler and Noah Kane are just better players. And for somebody with the size, the athleticism of a Justin Shorter, it's disappointing to see. And I just wonder if this time next year we're talking about him hitting the transfer portal and finding somewhere else to play. And Ricky Slade, he just he's a smaller back. He's got these short, choppy steps. I just, he's he's not what I thought he would be, and he's not what a lot of Debbie people thought he would be. Noah Kane is just a better back. So stock down for both those Penn State players as well as Oklahoma running back Kennedy Brooks. And I was one to say Kennedy Brooks was the best running back in that backfield entering into the season. And Brooks had a decent stat line last week versus Texas. I believe he went over 100 yards, but he's just a straight line runner. He can make people miss with some power, but I just don't see anything that gets me excited when I watch Kennedy Brooks. Trey Sermon is the better running back of the two. And for Kennedy Brooks, he's 2020 eligible as a redshirt sophomore. I wouldn't have him in my top 15 if he declared. So, Hopefully, he comes back and improves upon his skill set. But Kennedy Brooks stock down. As well as this one pains me. This one pains me because I believe he's got the talent to be the number one 2020 eligible running back uh, next year. And that's Texas running back Keontae Ingram. He only had two carries. Last week versus Texas uh, versus Oklahoma, Roshan Johnson, the converted quarterback, looks like a better running back than Keontae Ingram right now. I don't know if it's his confidence, I don't know if it was the knee injury he had coming into the season, but he just does not look like he did as a true freshman last year. On the season, 68 carries, 322 yards, three touchdowns. He does have 14 receptions for 123 yards. When he dropped that pass versus LSU, it just seemed like all his confidence was shaken, and he just does not look like a top Debbie running back in that 2021 running back class. Keontae Ingram stock down for me. I hope he gets it on uh, on the right track, but right now, just not impressed with what I'm seeing out of the University of Texas runner. All right, now at this point, you guys know I love talking to you, and. There's nothing consensus about me, so I appreciate all of the contrarian takes of, you know, having all these crazy people in your top 10 or top 15, but it's time we had a conversation, and I like to converse. We had a conversation about DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor. We had a conversation about Trevor Lawrence and uh, Justin Fields, and now we're going to have the conversation Jerry Judy versus CeeDee Lamb. And this is not me being prisoner of the moment over CeeDee Lamb's massive game versus Texas. I've been a big CeeDee Lamb for the past couple of years. I've said on this podcast multiple times, I think he was the best wide receiver on the Oklahoma Sooners roster for the past two seasons. That includes Hollywood Brown. But when we're talking about Debbie and we're talking about 2020 and Dynasty, it just seems to be that Jerry Judy was placed as the number one spot and that was it. And for some people, they, you know, you guys feel that Jerry Judy is the best wide receiver to come through since Julio Jones or Odell Beckham, and he very well, very well may be. However, to dismiss a player like CeeDee Lamb not being able to challenge Jerry Judy for that number one spot, or hell, not even challenge, but be the number one rated wide receiver in the 2020 class, I ask you why. What has Jerry Judy done so far above and beyond CeeDee Lamb production-wise on the field that it doesn't even warrant a conversation? I do believe that Jerry Judy's athleticism, the things that he can do with the ball is in his hands, you know, that, that herky-jerky play, that explosiveness, that quick-twitch fiber that he has is dynamic, and it will translate at the next level. I think Jerry Judy's better than Calvin Ridley, but I don't think CeeDee Lamb is a step behind him. If you had to, if if I were on the clock right now and I had to pick between the two, Jerry Judy or Ceedee Lamb, I don't know who I would pick. I mean, I'd like to say Ceedee Lamb just to say it, but I don't know what I'd do. You know, a lot of it is going to fall down to who is drafted where. If Jerry Judy does go high, and I've seen a bunch of mocks where Miami takes Tua and then they backdoor with Jerry Judy, there's an instant connection there. And although the Miami Dolphins stink. That connection will play a factor in where I draft Jerry Judy if I have the opportunity to pick him. If CeeDee Lamb falls to the Green Bay Packers or the New Orleans Saints, I've seen him mock the Saints multiple times, the, the Chargers. You know, a good team with a passing attack where he can come in and learn as that number two. Remember DeAndre Hopkins? When he was drafted, Andre Johnson was still playing for the Texans, and Hopkins was sort of that number two, but you saw the skill set there, and then he finally took over, and now he's Nuke Hopkins. Uh, That would impact what I do with CeeDee Lamb. That would impact what I do with Jalen Rager or any of these guys. But I just don't think that having Jerry Judy there and having that take lock and just saying there's no way anybody can challenge him is the right process. And maybe what your heart feels, but you can't draft and play fantasy football based off your heart. I mean, you can. But, you know, if, if, if you do that, then you may be putting yourself in a bad situation. Cee Lamb is a phenomenal wide receiver prospect, and there are some things that he does better than Jerry Judy to me. His body control... His ball tracking ability. He he may be a better playmaker with the ball in his hands than Jerry Judy. Yes, Jerry's routes are crisps and his hand is good and his hands are good and he does do things, his explosiveness, his start-stop ability. But I don't think that Jerry is gonna go to the combine and just blow it out of this world. He's not gonna do what Henry Ruggs is going to do. He's not gonna do what Jalen Rager does. He's not a four three runner, neither is CeeDee Lamb. I just think we the conversation can be had, all right. If you've got Jerry Judy as your number one and CeeDee Lamb as your number two or three, if you're doing a tier-based approach, it doesn't matter. You're splitting hairs with these guys. Both of them are fantastic wide receiver prospects. I just say, expand your thinking. Expand your mind. If I just stuck to my Jalen Rager take as the you know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, I'd be doing you a disservice. And I don't want to do you a disservice. I just want you to think and be open-minded to different situations and different players because right now I think there is a legitimate debate for CeeDee Lamb being the number one ranked wide receiver in all of college football. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I hope you've enjoyed your flight. We'll be landing in just a few minutes. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Destination Debbie podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I will be bringing you a bonus episode this week. I've got a fantastic guest coming on, Garrett Price over there at Dynasty Nerds. He's going to jump on the DDP and we're going to talk about running backs. It's going to be a ground and pound show. We're talking 2020, 2021. We're just going to get into it. I want to know his takes for these 2020 eligible guys in the 2021 class looking ahead. So Garrett Price will be on the show later this week. If you've got any questions, please DM him to Destination Debbie on Twitter if you have yet to do so please subscribe to the show on iTunes I got some really good feedback and uh, some positive reviews from some people out there so I appreciate you I read them and I don't take it for granted I truly truly appreciate every listening ear that checks this show out that engages with me on Twitter that interacts with me in a respectful manner and I hope that you guys feel the same way about me so I hope you guys have a great week enjoy it be safe out there be blessed and until next time you know what's next drop the music